Hey there, Joshua here. I'm just getting back from interviewing Natalie Murphy, who uh, Lisa Cena recommended. And uh, it took us a couple of months to get something going due to some illnesses and schedules, but we finally sorted it out for today. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, it couldn't have come at a better time. I really enjoyed chatting with Natalie and um, before and after the interview, um, the conversations were really rich and um, and I guess during the interview as well, we were able to talk about uh, some different perspectives on on um, words and ideas and, and um, have that conversation throughout. And I always really enjoy it when uh, somebody, when people can, can um, find ways to communicate their differences and um, educate one another on perspective and whatnot. So I uh, really enjoyed this chat today and um, left feeling really good. And I'm happy to introduce you to Natalie here. Thanks for listening. All right, we are recording. Um, how old are you for the record? I have to think about that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, I want to say 47. Okay. Yeah, I was born in 1971. So if anybody else wants to do the math. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yep. Perfect. Uh, it all depends on month and everything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm doing the math right now. I'm 47. You can change your mind if you want to towards yeah. the end. Okay. Um, who are you, and how would you describe yourself? I think about my roles in life. So I think about being a mom. I think about being a wife and a sister and a daughter. And then I think about how I'm still getting to know myself as a person. And so when I think about answering that, I think, okay, how would people describe me? And then I check in with myself on that. Um, I've been described as nurturing and compassionate. Um, and when I check that with myself, I, I yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, That's where I'd go right now with that. Great. Yeah. As I read these questions, you know, often uh, line by line, sometimes I think this next one might come across as a pr pretty rough transition, but okay. um, <laughs> I don't intend it to be because I think it just uh, tells me more about who you are. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask what concerns you, what breaks your heart, um, what makes you sad about life and community and how we all engage mm -hmm. and in a way that affects you personally. So mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to get people to avoid, and not that these aren't major issues, but some of the larger social issues, um, and talk about something that really more on their day-to-day Mm-hmm. affects them. So what is that and then what motivates you to do something about it? Okay. You may have to repeat that second question. Sure. So when I think about day-to-day -day and I think about when my heart may become involved in my thought process, simple things like watching kids struggle on the playground or one kid being unkind to another as simple as that I'll be I'll be affected mm 
Um, and then if we were to look at that in larger scale, it's basically any time there's um, a divide or uh, I guess when I look at it in my day-to-day -day with work, uh, when I witness stigmatization, um, and in my work it would be stigmatization over somebody's body size. Um, And then I, I wonder sometimes if the reason why that affects me is if it's traced all the way back to things that impacted me throughout my life and my childhood and my early adult years and, and why, you know, I look at the reasons why that happens um, or why I become so affected. Um, but I think it motivates the work that I do in seeking connection with others and um, I guess one of the things that motivates me is, is putting people at ease, being able to, um, to bring that to others. Mm -hmm. um, and so there may be a connection, you know, if I see two people struggling or lack of kindness um, I, I tend to be somebody that's nurturing, so I want to bring forth that feeling of peace and ease within the body for myself and for others. Um, so I think that motivates, I guess, the person that I am and the work that I do mm. is um, wanting people to feel content and like just the way they are. Mm -hmm. And so when I see a divide and it being um, a divide happening when somebody's um, perceiving themselves as different from somebody else or an us and them mm -hmm. taking place, um, it's really unsettling for me mm. and I think my heart gets pulled into it. Mm. So, mm. The uh, last person I interviewed just a few days ago asked me about contentment mm -hmm. and I have I think what seems to be like a pretty um, unpopular um, view on contentment. So mm. can you tell me like what you mean by contentment? Hmm. If I were to think about my view, um, a lot of it involves acceptance. Um, hmm. I guess accepting things as they are. And so if we go back to like that situation we were talking about with divide, there's some lack of acceptance going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that's how I feel like it weaves in with contentment. Mm -hmm. um, I found with my own day-to-day -day life and my own personal existence and living in this body here, I'm able to experience more contentment um, when I'm not trying to change something, um, I guess, to avoid suffering. <laughs> when I'm able to just be with what's happening, mm. then I'm able to be able to be more content because there's not like a, a struggle going on mm. or a fighting against something or, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. Great. Yeah. What, um, 
what do we mean to each other as you what do you think people mean to you and you mean to people as you go about your life and kind of like the the mundane and not so mundane activities hmm That's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> so if I could say like something a little more, like this is one of those I ones. I think I got it. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. But I, this is yeah. one of those ones that people can tend to say this thing, this like grandiose, mm -mm. you know, I'm super connected. Yeah, no, to, no. You know, I mean, so. I'm, I'm thinking of it in a different way. Um, I think that at times we can be reflections, or I find that others are a reflection of myself. So I may see something in somebody, um, and it's really just a part of myself that I'm that I'm witnessing. Is is I guess the simplest way for me to come to terms with that question. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Mm -hmm. um, what somebody means to me though or what others mean to me I guess that depends day to day I it depends this may not be the direction that that I would expect to go with this but um, how I may view somebody else or how somebody may view me I think largely depends on how I'm caring for myself so if I'm um, getting my self-care needs met and I'm able to be rested and show up whole, then my view of what somebody means to me can be different. Um, and if I'm showing up and I'm not um, whole myself, then, um, or I'm showing up and I am whole, then the way others look to me and what they mean to me and what I may mean to them may be different. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I don't know if that, that doesn't seem very grandiose to me. No, <laughs> but, no. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. Going out from there, this individual to individual aspect, like what, what does community then mean to you? Um, and I don't, the geographic location is like not part of what mm -hmm. I'm considering here. Um, and what does it mean to you to be part of a community, let's say, like the community of humanity, mm -hmm. with, with all these different opinions and agendas, mm -hmm. outlooks? I think historically I've been drawn to finding a community or being a part of a community that I feel like I'm with like-minded individuals. You know, I may find myself in those communities and I think about like um, before becoming a parent I identified with a running community or a cycling community and everybody has a similar view or they're doing something for a similar purpose and then through parenting um, finding myself in different communities or I may pick different communities that I feel like I'm surrounded by people that um, see things in a similar way, um, different play groups, or right now I'm involved with a mother-daughter group 
and supporting my child and supporting me through that process of parenting. I think more in my adult life, I'm able to, I guess, be more brave and be more vulnerable and immerse in communities where I might not see things eye to eye with everybody. Um, and in those situations, I guess, trying to um, look for ways that I may connect with others. Um, I need more, I need more help here. Mm. <laughs> well, so, uh, just to use one of the examples that you mentioned, let's just take the running community, okay. for example. Uh, I'm not a runner. I, mm -hmm. I despise like every aspect mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. But when I look out at runners, I can imagine that there's a group of people, let's say there's 12 people, right, that meet up yeah. and they're part of this running community. Mm -hmm. you, you share a common interest in running, mm -hmm. but you may not share much else, but that may not be important because you're, you share this interest in running. But in society, it seems to me, like we get in these situations often where like the common point is the last thing we're concerned with, it's the difference. Right, so it could be a difference of politic, it could be a difference of income, it could be a difference of uh, awareness, it could be a difference of gender identity, of skin mm -hmm. color, of size, body type. Mm -hmm. And why do you suppose it is, now we're getting into like a pretty loaded question, mm -hmm. that some things we're willing to overlook because of this camaraderie mm -hmm. or like-mindedness, mm -hmm. and others we have absolutely no room for whatsoever. This is totally personal opinion, but I look at it and I feel like it comes back to that part of the differences that we notice are things about ourselves that are being reflected back. Um, and it hooks us and then we get stuck there. Um, I'm, when you were describing running, the, the running group, um, I jumped to thinking that my sense of community with that ended when I was no longer able to run. And so I wasn't able to necessarily connect on other levels. Mm. And so I guess that's where in my adult life, or my later adult life, able to be more brave and be able to say, well, you can be a part of a community even if you don't see eye to eye with people on everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess more, this has been one of my personal journeys, um, which kind of started with having it happen in my marriage, where differences were dividing us. And we were still connected because being married, but we were able to see more of the differences when we were in certain times, struggling times and rough times individually our differences seem to be so much more poignant. And when we were able to see that we don't have to agree on things all the time, or we may never agree on certain things, but we can disagree in a way where we can coexist and still love each other mm. and be connected. And so I guess 
that experience in my married life, I've been looking for ways to have that happen in my day-to-day -day life where it's like I don't have to see eye-to-eye -eye with the person mm -hmm. to be connected with them. Um, and be, a, be okay with people being different from me and my view. Mm -hmm. so. Do you have or feel a sense of purpose or a compulsion to live with intention or a responsibility to affect positive change? <laughs> when you ask that question, I get kind of giddy. <laughs> That's such a beautiful question. Uh, um, I feel like all of those elements are things that are really uh, fueling the work that I'm doing right now. Mm. Um, and, I, and I feel like um, almost as if certain things have lied dormant within me. And in the past year, being a part of a new practice in my work life, um, all of those things have been able to be um, like, like, all of those questions have been asked of me by the person that I work with. Um, and just by asking those questions sometimes, well, in my life has brought me to the greater good in, in wanting to self-reflect and say, what is my purpose? And you know, how do I want to show up each day? Um, so maybe that's why I get giddy when you, <laughs> when you do that. Um, I think that in, in this past year, um, I've been able to come to fruition and be comfortable with what parts of people I want to support. And that if I were to, I guess, I think we've already talked about this, but I have the desire to be able to bring tools and I guess perspective to people um, no matter what body that they're living in um, that they can lead full lives and be accepting of what they are, who they are, right here as they are in this moment without having to change. And when that change happens, then their life can start, they can start living their life, right? Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's one of the things right now, just being able to, um, help individuals access contentment, mm -hmm. you know, from the seat they're in right now, um, would be something that I feel like is purpose and, and my purpose and bringing people, bringing more ease to people, mm -hmm. no matter what they're experiencing, no matter what their trauma background is, no matter what kind of day they're having, you know, like in this moment, how can we um, feel, feel ease in our body mm -hmm. and yeah. Or I guess be at peace with it. It might not feel easy or feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but being okay with that, you know, being okay with not being okay, I think, mm -hmm. um, is one way of saying it. Mm -hmm. So, do you spend time thinking about or energy on wondering about? this 
what seems to be a, a, people putting quite a lot of energy and time and resources into things that are pretty negative like as a, as a purpose mm-hmm. like as like the accumulation of personal wealth or or just like self advancement at at all cost or mm-hmm. yeah i think in in some sense the folks that i work with day to day a lot of them may be putting a lot of focus on external orientation so how they are viewed by others and um unfortunately in the society that we're in there's one can often just be one definition of an ideal of how somebody should be living their life or how they may look and i guess very specific to my work it's the thin privilege or the um yeah i guess thin privilege or um and the cost that people may go through to modify their bodies to meet our society's view of what we should be um is what i see most of the day or a big part of my day mm-hmm. um and what somebody will go through to meet that that isn't in line with their values when you sit down and look at what their values are the actions that they're um doing and how they're what they're putting their body through doesn't match their values and so there's a there's a discrepancy there and so that that may be what i work with but um yeah hmm. <laughs> um it's you... hard to stay on track with the questions cuz they they are not the questions but like there's such there's there's can be such an intermingling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. 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 Um do you do you have anything you'd like to ask me? Trade places for a minute. Yeah, so um we talked a little bit about this, but I was curious how many people you've interviewed mm-hmm. um on this project. Mm-hmm. Um so that's one question. Okay. And then another question is what impact has this project had on you and how you relate with people in the world and um hmm. yeah so th- this I, i'm fairly certain i just did another count so i think this is interview 125 okay um that's a lot of people a lot of people <laughs> yeah i did a pr- project uh many years ago where i i i interviewed someone every single day i did it for a year mm-hmm. and a half so mm-hmm. um I did it for less time but more people and this one is like much more in depth and um but for some reason I I have a hard time kind of keeping them separate and so I'm wondering like if I'll make it to you know 625 interviews with a community thread for example and I wonder if I'll feel much differently yeah if I do than I do now mm-hmm. you know and how I feel about this project um changes pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. What was the how did the you other one the is how you how you've been impacted yeah. by this work and and with relating with so many people and how has that affected you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It that so that's you know ongoing of course, right? Like it's mm-hmm. um 
I hold myself and others to a pretty high, rigorous standard. Um, then that's just like the person in line at the coffee shop or sitting in traffic or a business partner or someone who wants, you know, a photo client or, you know, I kind of hold everybody to this just like um, basic human decency level. Mm-hmm. And I tend to think that that's like uh, known or, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I tend to think that this like standard is it's a given. generally accepted and is a given and people are choosing not to act to it. I, I which I, I over time and the amount of disappointment I've gone through, I, I guess mm-hmm. it's just not the case. But I seem to be a slow learner in that realm. But I'm also, I'm not entirely sure that's a bad thing, right? Like, I'd rather, I guess, continue to be disappointed than to begin jaded, you know? Like, mm-hmm. to approach it as if people aren't going to live up to it versus to approach it as if they are and then be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But that carries through to me, too. And so, uh, you know, in one hand, I sit here and do these interviews and try to build this thread or web, grow community in the sense that we mean something to each other. And on the other hand, I find myself kind of like slipping up daily too. Mm-hmm. And then I feel a greater sense of accountability because of this project and because of this role that I put myself in. Um, I started the project out of curiosity, but also like a necessity to find good. Um, and and grow good, perpetuate good, show that to uh, others. Because uh, I'm getting quite worn out with the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just know what I'm capable of, and there's a fair amount of bad in that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just this quest to figure out, like, what is that? You know, I don't know that I'll ever sit down with the one person who, you know, enlightens me. Yeah. And answers all of these questions that I have, but I might ask enough of en- enough people that I start to get some more clarity. Mm-hmm. And as much as I struggle with the word contentment, I mean, I think I'm probably seeking it in some way. I often place contentment and complacency as like very near mm. um, partners, and I don't. So I, I I don't know that I'm like seeking contentment in a way that I'm wanting to just be at ease, but I wouldn't mind experiencing some peace every once in a while, you know? So if that's mm-hmm. contentment, then I think I'm seeking it, and I might be seeking it through this as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm learning, I'm learning quite a lot, you know, and I think some of t- sometimes the things I'm learning uh, become apparent much later. After the fact. Yeah, and mm-hmm. who knows, it might be months or years mm-hmm. or decades from now or or in another life or... Yeah. But I can't be doing this and not taking in something. Yeah. You know? When I hear you talk about the impact that this work has on you, and I hear you share that you have miss, miss up, mess ups, that, mm-hmm. that, yeah. And I think to myself, I think nobody is immune to mess ups or, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, well, what, what we're, per- that can be a perception thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's deemed as a mess up. Mm-hmm. And also that, that piece of contentment where you don't necessarily, everything doesn't have to be in order or, uh, 
the way we imagined or meeting some ideal in order for contentment to take place. That it can be in this moment or it can be in a really adverse situation or a really painful situation or a really difficult situation. That's, that's what I mean about contentment. Like no matter what is happening that you can experience that sensation in the body of this is right where I need to be, mm. you know, and not having a, a fight to be somewhere else or experiencing mm. something else. Mm -hmm. So, cause when you said something about complacency and I'm like, Hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, I can see where that would have a crossover too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, this doesn't tie in, but like I, I really want to like mention it. So I guess I'm yeah. just going to do it. Um, do it. Sometimes when I, when people get referred to the project, their response is that they're not like, worthy. Mm -hmm. You know that they they haven't done enough in their mm -hmm. life, or they don't mm -hmm. have something to offer. And I always, you know, like I, I can I can answer that pretty easily. But mm -hmm. the other day I was just listening to this piece, and it's probably something I've heard about in the past, but. It's about raccoons. Uh, so when raccoons are out in their troop or whatever a group of mm -hmm. raccoons is called, they leave a lookout behind. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the raiders. Mm -hmm. But whatever the raiders like collect, they always save the first bit or the best bit mm -hmm. for this, uh, the lookout. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know why today, like you didn't mention raccoons and there hasn't, this hasn't been part of our thread, but like it, it's been like, it's been coming up like since you started talking. And I just think that like I, through this project need to like, I'm constantly reminded of how much we all matter mm. and how little sometimes I think we take care of one another. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I try really hard, like, actively to take care of the people in my life. Yes. And I think this exercise, this, like, exercise of uh, being the interviewer, you know, like, mm -hmm. holds me accountable to a standard of, like, trying to keep my own shit together in a way oh. that's, like, kind to yeah. others, right? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know if that was for me or you or like somebody else that yeah. might listen to this, but um, I just think like we need to we need to be like better <laughs> to one yeah. another. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and I'm thinking about just what happens when you do show up as a human and that you actually put yourself in a vulnerable state. Then, well, I guess this is my experience when I'm working with somebody and I put myself out there in a vulnerable state, I then, in that moment, we're able to connect. Mm -hmm. And there's some sense of we're, we're more like each other than not like each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, in, and, and in the work that I do or in my day-to-day -day life, I see that as like the healing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that it doesn't have to look comfortable or lovely and yeah I, I'm thinking about that with conversations with my husband and and that you know not trying to avoid the discomfort or not trying to avoid the argument it's 
like, well, like the repair is where the healing is happening, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. where it, and it, and it's not always lovely or polished on the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's rough yeah. and winds and weaves and yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you have anything that you'd like to say in closing? I feel really grateful to be able to be have been invited to be a part of this. <laughs> I guess I don't have anything uh, monumental except that, you know, just feeling um, excitement and gratitude um, in closing. Cool. Yeah. Gratitude's a good place to start. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.